Welcome to the Battleground Wisconsin. My name is Matt Brusky and I'm the Deputy Director here at Citizen Action and welcome to another week from Wisconsin. We have our full panel, which means Rebecca Lynch is with us. Rebecca is the Deputy Director at Wisconsin Working Families Party. Rebecca, good to see you. Good to be here, Matt. And as always, Robert Craig, Executive Director here at Citizen Action. Robert. Good day, everyone. So we are going to spend a bit of time here talking about the governor's race. There's a lot of uh, news that is happening. It is really, quite frankly, sucking up most of the, I describe it as mainstream oxygen. Um, certainly the Baldwin race is uh, being discussed, but the Evers race seems to be front and center. We'll also talk a little bit about uh, Donald Trump. Um, there's been a lot of news the last few weeks. We haven't spent a ton of time talking about the Supreme Court and all the ongoings, the Woodward book, all the stuff that's going on. But Trump um, continues to remain highly unpopular. We're going to talk about that, that, that impact on the elections. Um, we're also going to talk a little bit about a conservative blogger here who writes for Right Wisconsin, who uh, had some horrible things to say about Milwaukee public students. And we'll talk a little bit about health care and some of the uh, continued efforts to sabotage it um, and why it's such an important issue in this election. With that, though, um, let's talk about the governor's race panel. Um, the big news this week was uh, there are two, two big pieces. One is earlier in the week, Walker and Evers um, were in a, I don't know, discussion, a dispute over uh, racial disparities and uh, our gaps, uh, racial disparity gaps here on education in Wisconsin. And the irony of Walker the one who actually holds the budget purse strings for education, the largest funder of education in the state being the state, uh, blaming the DPI guy for these disparities. Um, of course, Evers pushed back very hard on it. So interested in hearing your thoughts on that. The other is Walker uh, is out this week with a blistering, just completely false ad about Evers' uh, criminal justice plan that flat out just declares that he's going to release violent criminals and goes through a laundry list of the assortment of types of criminals. And again, Tony pushing back very strong on this. Rebecca, I'm going to go to you first. Just get your thoughts on this and, and, and then also you, before we go off, I do want you to also give us an update on Wisconsin's choice. We had Evers and Barnes last night. So your latest thoughts on the governor's race and what's been happening in the last week or so. Yeah, uh, last night at the Wisconsin's Choice Forum, which is on live stream, and it was a professional um, videographer that we had. It's really nice. So if anyone who wants to check it out after the fact can, it was a conversation between John Nichols of Cap Times in the Nation, uh, Mandela Barnes, who's a citizen action co-op member and Democratic nominee for lieutenant governor, and of course, Tony Evers. It was a great conversation. And this is one of the first things they discussed in regards to the first part of your question on the education budget. And, you know, it's just so laughable that Walker would be blaming the person who must administer the budget that they are given <clears throat> with the low levels of the budget. And Tony Evers is like, well, the person that I'll be negotiating with when I'm governor is myself in terms of like, he will be able to really fully fund public education. And he spoke, again, you can go back and check on the live stream, but he spoke pretty movingly about how a budget is, you know, a way of showing one's priorities. And, you know, they're, that we talk, he talks about you know increased m funding not just for public education but specifically for disabled students, which is an issue not only in Milwaukee but across where the forum was last night, but across the state. 
and a moving issue, an important issue, and there are people who say we can't afford to spend this money on our disabled students, and his response is Foxconn, and yeah. Mandela's response is Foxconn, and I think, again, you know, I really appreciate what he said about a budget being, you know, how we show our priorities, and we can find the money for our children, uh, and to educate them and to keep them safe in their future. And that's something that when he's governor, he'll prioritize. And so I found that to be fantastic. I'll kind of leave the second part of your yep. question on the criminal justice ad to the side for now, because I feel like there's a lot that we can talk about how yep. race is interacting in this race, but want to give and, Robert some room. And we'll, we have a lot of time. This will be a long conversation. I do want to point out on the live stream, it is on our Citizen Action Facebook page. Please go Thank check you. it out. Yep, absolutely. Robert, your thoughts. I mean, this is all part of Walker's M.O., Walker wants to take no responsibility for his own record or for governing. The man's been governing for eight years. Where is his plan to close the achievement gap and the racial disparities in education? His plan was Act 10 and all the tools it supposedly provided, the tools that have driven teachers out of the profession, right, and, and greatly damaged our public schools with a slight, you know, uptick in funding in, in his election year, right, his election year budget. And so it's amazing. I think that really all voters, not just progressives, not just Democrats, should be very concerned when an elected official of any party basically feels he bears no responsibility for the major problems of the state. And it's not that it wouldn't be fair to say that Scott Walker could take a generations-old problem and fix it all at once, but where is the plan? Where was the investment? Where is anything? right, that you can point to as, as far as trying to fix the problem and actual progress, right? I think the scale of the problem, I'm sure he has plenty of little solutionettes, right? He hired a few mentors here and there, right, with a fancy-sounding title to the program. We'll probably be hearing about that in some response ad. Uh, but this is the, he now owns the problems of the state. It's not that the governor can fix every problem. It's the governor needs to be working on every problem and using maximum public leverage and all the power we have in our democracy to try to fix them. And the racial inequality in the education system is one of the worst things in this state. It's immoral and unethical, and he doesn't care about it. In in except to the extent it affects his reelection. Look, period. This, this guy's been running ads about how great his education policy was. And, and this is a core part of it, and he's completely silent on it. And you're right, Robert. It, it, no one could say, like, he should have fixed the problem. But then to have the nuts to go after Tony Evers and blame him, right, to go blame the DPI guy as if he was the one who was supposed to fix it. And, I mean, folks, just, it is really critical. Spending. That's right. And, and you mentioned the budget stuff. That is so important because, you know... I, not everybody knows this, but the education is almost entirely funded through state funding, right here in, and it comes back to your locale, right through property taxes. But like, if if the state isn't investing, if the governor isn't leading that investment, that's the biggest player in the system. So for him to sort of wash his hands and blame the DPI guy is 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 classic Walker. But he has to do that, right? And yeah. this goes back to what I said on the show last week. You know, education is going to be the number one issue that voters are going to the polls on in the governor's race. I truly believe that. And I think polling shows that people care a great deal about healthcare, obviously jobs, but you know, education as it relates to Governor Walker and, the, and this race is critical. And you know, you take that and you pair it with the fact that Tony is such a good candidate and he has so few negatives and it's really, you know, how do you go after Tony Evers? 
And this is what they've been doing, right? So we saw last week we were talking about how they've been going after him over this one teacher who looked at porn, right? And again, it's trying to find a way to both attack someone who is really hard to attack and to do it based on education. And now this is a continuation of that strategy. And it's not a very good one, but it's all they have because what else is he going to say about Tony? Right. And I actually agree with Rebecca. I mean, I'd be expected in my role to say, no, no, Rebecca, it's healthcare, it's not education. We always right? agree. <laughs> but here's the thing I think education has always been the top issue. What's been lacking is a clear differentiation that drives voters to vote. And so voters who, who, for whom education is a top issue, voting for people who want to undermine our education system because we've done such a poor job of making it clear who is really pro-education, who really wants to create a 21st century education system for every kid, and who doesn't really want to do it at all. And so Tony Evers is an opportunity, not because of any clever policy fix, but because of who he is as a lifelong educator, starting as a teacher, right, and his and all of the work he has done, moving up the ranks, becoming uh, Secretary of Public Instruction, et cetera, and that's why they're going after his record directly, right, attacking him for the achievement gap that Walker doesn't give a darn about, right, except for political purposes, and this trumped-up classic character assassination ad around the teacher who was suspended and was not around any kids and did not show kids any porn and who Tony Evers had no power to remove the license. It didn't matter whether the license was removed. The teacher did not teach again, right? The license was removed once the law was changed. That that's a reason to give Scott Walker another term shows how degraded our politics have become and how that we, we have this class of elected officials that feel entitled and feel like they can say anything, do anything as long as they hold power, and then afterwards claim the mandate of the people for their billionaire right-wing agenda. Well, and they're desperate, and how desperate they are. It shows that, too. You know, and, and this is why I think, you know, the comparison that Robert mentioned, you know, Tony Evers is a lifelong educator, um, and when we compare him with his opponent, um, both in terms of who they are, but also on the issues, I think it really creates a very compelling narrative. And so I know through Wisconsin's Choice, there's going to be a lot of opportunities to do that in the Madison area. We're going to be doing that around healthcare down in, in Milwaukee, um, working with our friends and allies at the Milwaukee uh, Teachers Education Association, MTEA. We'll be doing canvases, going out of the community and just showing, you know, just a basic side-by-side -side issue comparison. So anyone who's interested in doing that kind of work, whether you're part of the, you know, thousands and thousands of people who voted in Wisconsin's Choice, um, we'll call you, we'll reach out to you. Even if you didn't, you can go over to our Facebook page and go ahead and get plugged in. But there's a lot of really important, we're going to talk about the down-ballot races soon, and those are critically important. And on the governor's race, I think that, you know, working with Citizen Action, with, you know, Working Families Party, with Wisconsin's Choice, OWR, you know, specifically talking to people about this race and framing it around the issues is going to be critical. And this is a really great um, community of folks working together to do that. And if you have a great idea about a canvas, um, you could also start your own canvas through Wisconsin's Choice. So anyway, mosey on over to the Facebook page. With that, you are listening to the Battleground Wisconsin or Citizen Action. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Battleground Wisconsin. We're Citizen Action. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org. Before we left, we were talking about the governor's race. And in particular, we were talking about education and the discussion on education that's been going on. And 
for this segment, we want to talk about what has been happening, particularly as it relates to Walker's attack on Tony Evers for his criminal justice uh, reform efforts, which Tony should be commended for, for really trying to look at ways to reduce incarceration rates. And um, in spite of that, uh, Governor Walker attacked him with an ad that uh, I think we're going to play a little clip of it right here because it's really important to understand what's being said. As superintendent, Tony Evers failed to remove abusive teachers from our schools. Now Evers wants to cut Wisconsin's prison population in half, a dangerous plan that today would mean releasing thousands of violent criminals back into our communities, which could include felons who've committed rape, assault, robbery, and even kidnapping. First, abusive teachers, now releasing violent criminals, putting everyone at risk. We just can't trust Tony Evers to keep us safe. So there you can hear it. I mean, Evers responded very quickly yesterday on Wednesday, basically saying this is a complete lie. The ad is not at all factual, um, particularly this idea he'd release rapists and all these violent, uh, violent criminals. Um, and Evers, of course, said he's going to not go down into the mud. But Robert, we, we won't go into the mud, but we need to talk about this because this is part of like the sleaziest of the sleazy. Uh, with Walker, particularly on an issue that's of such critical importance to start to address, you know, the mass incarceration, the completely, um, you know, our system and how it is, you know, it, it is completely inequitable and unjust and racist. Um, and then you even have this in the dynamic of former Governor Tommy Thompson even saying that he, his biggest guilt is feeling like he was a part of creating this system, and that is something that if he could change. And then you got this ad coming out, which is kind of more of the same garbage on, on this issue where we really need to start to look in a different direction. Robert? Yeah, and even a, right, an even bigger question. There are a lot of conservatives, not so much in the Wisconsin state legislature, but nationally, the Koch brothers allegedly, who claim that we should that, that the system of mass incarceration is terrible and is not making people safer at all, and uh, their concern, of course, is it's, it's highly costly. But they're less concerned than we are about how it's the new Jim Crow, right? right. But look at how the Koch brothers' boy, Scott Walker, as soon as he is threatened at all, pulls out all the old stereotypes just to try to save his political skin, right? And again, doesn't care what the cost is. So here's the fact, right? Wisconsin's prison population has quadrupled since 1980. And I challenge anyone to say that we uh, didn't imprison rapists, murderers, and kidnappers uh, in 1980. It's doubled since 1995. And I, again, so that's where Tony Evers isn't even talking about going back to the normal condition, right, of 1980. He is talking about going back to the mid-90s when We'd already had a couple decades of, of, of increasing incarceration, and it already increased dramatically, right? And obviously then they were imprisoning uh, rapists, murderers, and uh, kidnappers, etc. So this is just malarkey, and he knows it. And, he, and we know it's highly racialized because we have the greatest disparity between African-American men in prison versus, versus white folks, right, in the country. And so it doesn't matter if a lot of the pictures on his ad were, were white convicts in orange, Right, we we know what what dog whistle is being whistled here. This is the classic dog whistle, and it's grotesque and it prevents us. We're not going to have the money to invest in healthcare and education and building prosperity if we continue along this line because it is totally abnormal. 
In other words, in, in the context of American history and across the globe, and even across the state line, Minnesota has half the prisoners we do, right? It's extremely abnormal to have this many people in jail. It was fueled by paranoia around the civil rights movement and literally trying to find other state means to restrict African-American folks, right? I mean, that really was a lot of the driving force behind it. And it doesn't make us safer, and it makes us, and, and it, the, the main flaw is the 13th Amendment that says that slavery is repealed unless you've been duly convicted, because it's really the continuation of slavery. You know, I really appreciated Tony Evers saying that he was not going to get in the gutter with Governor Walker. I think that is just another example of what a stand-up candidate Tony Evers is. You know, he really is taking bold positions on, you know, education, on healthcare, on mass incarceration, and he is true to his beliefs, and he's going to run on them. And I think that, you know, the great secret of American politics is that there's a great deal of support for the things that we believe in and that Tony's running on. And I think we're going to see that borne out in this election. One of the things that is really, um, you know, disconcerting to a lot of people across Wisconsin is the way in which, you know, our, this mass incarceration, you know, putting people in cages for many for nonviolent crimes or people who are completely innocent, who are unable to navigate the legal system because of money bail, because they don't have enough defense, because of any number of reasons um, that we have all these people in cages, that it is, you know, traumatizing communities and it's also um, really trapping people in a cycle that is one of the many reasons why our state is not moving forwards, it's moving backwards. And it is felt across the state and there are huge racial disparities, um, but there are also you know, many white people in, in white Wisconsin communities who are feeling the brunt of a really broken, you know, Scott Walker is incredibly broken you know, mass incarceration system, um, you know, with the opioid crisis, you know, across the state, the school to prison pipeline, recidivism, you know, last night at the Wisconsin Choice Forum, Mandela Barnes spoke pretty movingly about a conversation he had with a young person in Madison who had just gotten, you know, out of being incarcerated and got off the bus and said he knew he was going to go right back in because there were no options for him. I mean, th these are the things that we need to talk about. And, you know, Tony Evers is not going to back down. He's He is very unlike some other candidates we've had for statewide office in recent history in Wisconsin, and that he is unapologetic in his views. He is, you know, someone who is, you know, good at governing, who knows what it takes to run the state, who knows what good policy is, and he's not going to back down from them for political reasons. And, you know, something that I think is really telling, and this is kind of back in the last segment, we talked about the desperation of Scott Walker kind of attacking Tony Evers, um, again, on, on education in any way he can, even though it doesn't really stick. But also this desperation around these racial attacks. Um, and, you know, I think it was Mandela Barnes who said on Twitter that Governor Walker and his allies have gone full Southern strategy, and, and that is so clear that that is something that they're trying to do in this election. I, I want to follow up on what Rebecca said about this racialized strategy, right? And we see it in this modern conservative movement, and it certainly reared itself again this week with the comments of um, Right Wisconsin's uh, editor. Uh, I, his name escapes me at the moment. James, James uh, Whitgerson. Wid yes, and his name is not important because he needs to go. Um, he well, he's the editor of the whole thing, so right, Wisconsin he, needs to go replace Charlie He needs Suggs. to go. Yeah. They, the, the, their movement needs to get rid of him. They won't, but this kind of crap, right, this stuff where he essentially he called all MPS students convicts, little convicts, right, and then was given an opportunity 
to go on the you know the biggest you know mouthpiece that they have six twenty. And AM yeah, AM six twenty in Milwaukee, which most people across the state, right? You can get it, and given an opportunity to apologize or take his statements back, and he refused to. Um, yeah, and so obviously, kudos to all the and leaders who've gotten up and spoken out against this, including the Black and Latino Caucus, who got on this right away. MPS, everyone is is gotten out on exposing this guy. It's just, it, it's even deeper. Uh, so just to give the readers, it's been all over Facebook, so many people have seen it, right? But context was building a new football stadium, right, for, for an MPS, Milwaukee Public School. And by the way, if you look around facilities that uh, MPS has versus all the surrounding suburbs, right, they have very few of the things uh, that the suburban kids get. And the suburban kids are predominantly white, and the 80% are, are African-American or Latino or other, or other people of color in Milwaukee, such as Hmong. And so it's like this idea that they don't deserve the, a one new football stadium where every suburban school seems to have a new football stadium, right? So, and therefore they're little convicts, right? Throwing it in, it was about deservingness and personal deservingness. And this is in the DNA of modern conservatism, okay? Modern conservatism holds power by awaking these emotions that people who are disadvantaged, that people who are defined as the other, and the ultimate other in their worldview is African Americans. They can deny it all they want, but it's exactly what it is for them, right? By waking those emotions, they divide and get a 50% plus one and hold power and then ram through uh, their right-wing Wall Street billionaire agenda. And it's absolutely disgusting and unethical, whether it's, and, and in, the, the mistake Mr. Wigardson made is, is that he didn't, uh, unlike Trump, who seems to have some sort of permanent uh, kryptonite or not kryptonite, you know, power to, to not be damaged in the same way, uh, he didn't use the, the, the coded language that Governor Walker is always careful to use, which is just as effective. He could have said all of this without saying little convicts. So it's just a kind of, it, it allows a kind of like a, a moment of, of... It's a of, window into their ideology. A window, ideology a moment. It's like the lightning goes off and you see the landscape yeah. briefly and then it goes back to Walker's coded language. And while we're at it, you know, we should talk about Governor Walker's tweets about whether or not uh, Lieutenant Governor nominee Mandela Barton stands for the yeah. national anthem. And, you know, almost shouting in those tweets, you have to show respect, you know, and it was really, you know, it coded, coded barely, yeah. I would say. 13 tweets, I believe, of screaming and shouting. Uh, and by the way, Walker was not in the military, just to remind folks. Anyways, with that, we have got to take a break here at the Battleground Wisconsin. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Battleground Wisconsin. We're Citizen Action. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org. We want to talk a, a bit about President Trump. We don't, we don't often actually talk about him a lot, but it is impossible not to talk about this 2018 election and, and, and not have him sort of hanging over everything. Um, I've made this comment often on the show that I believe he is the reason for the wave right now. I do agree with Rebecca about people being with us on issues. And I feel like often in elections, it's frustrating that you'll read the issues and the folks are with us and it's just not translating. Roberts talked about that as it's not being cut or defined in a way that helps clarify those differences. Well, Trump has clarified all of those differences, both from a policy, but the fundamental underlying thing is, right, just the, the absolute insanity of his presidency. Um, and 
so I think there's some interesting news. This week, a new poll has come out, and there's an article uh, that was on WWM. I think it's a national article, talking about how Trump is wildly unpopular again over the last few weeks as polling numbers continue to fall, and particularly in the Midwest, um, and particularly in the suburbs. Um, and where particularly he's among women. Yes, yes. And so this is all sort of the dynamic that puts a lot of these House seats in play because a lot of the gerrymandering occurred where they were really carving up parts of the city and, and more progressive suburban areas with conservative areas. Well, if these suburban areas around these cities wildly flip, right, where you're seeing, you know, 10-point swings being concentrated in suburban areas, um, you can put some of these seats into play, both congressionally, right? We, we're, we're seeing that in special elections, but also potentially in the state legislature. And so we've talked about a number of our members that are running in some of these state legislative seats, amazing women with amazing stories, veterans, healthcare professionals, telling their stories. Um, and I, it is this dynamic that really puts these Senate seats in place. So we had Julie Henze on last week, um, these are the kind of races that are potentially in play. And this dynamic seems to be intensifying. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do with what's gone on the last couple of weeks or month or so with Trump, both the Supreme Court nomination, but the book, the continued, <laughs> just, I mean, continued insanity. You pick, you pick your topic. But wanted to get your thoughts on this. Um, Rebecca, we'll start with you. You know, I think that we really have a great shot of taking back the house. And, you know, a year and a half ago when Marina and I sat down with Randy Bryce and recruited him to run for Congress, Paul Ryan was still speaker. People thought he was running for re-election, and it was kind of like a laughable proposition. And now I really believe we can win that seat in particular. I think we can win, you know, seats all over the country, but we can win the first congressional district in Wisconsin. Polling is increasingly looking excellent. We need a lot of help. And I think that, yes, that, you know, women are going to be key to that victory. And, you know, the Working Families Party has also endorsed Lori Hawkins for state Senate, Gina Walkington for assembly. Those are both in the first congressional district down to the Illinois border. I think there are a lot of suburban communities and rural um, where we need to do some turnout. But what we also saw in the primary were people in particular men, working class men, showing up to vote for Randy and going home. And so I think he, he can really build a coalition to win, but it's going to take all of us and a lot of help. I think it gets tough when we talk about Trump and the impact that Trump is having when we talk about some of these down ballot races. Yep. And I, I do think that you know we're seeing women, particularly suburban women, um, maybe swing or flip. And hopefully that helps in the governor's race. Um, certainly it's going to help, you know, Tammy Baldwin and, and in con the congressional races. But I think we have a lot of work to do yeah. to make sure that we don't have drop-off voters. And I think Robin Vining, you know, also a Working Families Party endorsed, Citizen Action endorsed too? Correct. Yep. Citizen Action endorsed, overlaps with Julie Henze, Citizen Action co-op member. You know, they can win. I believe that they will win, but they will lose if people come out and vote for the top of the ticket and don't vote for them. And so we've got a lot of work to do to educate folks um, and, and keep in mind that we're going to have higher turnout than usual, which means that there might be some people who don't even know what a state senator is. So we're going to be educating people on the doors about, hey, these are two different candidates, Julie and Robin. They're not running against each other. They're running for different, very important seats. And don't stop at the top. Go all the way down. So I guess I need to be in the danger Will Robinson mode here. Oh, danger. Yes. So that is that old uh, Lost in Space reference. 
though it was a Hollywood mo bad Hollywood movie later, so maybe more people know about it. But anyway, uh, first of all, the way elections ebb and flow, we have to understand that it's sort of like the Bears being up uh, 20 points on the Packers. No, it's In not. other words, no, it's not. Well, I'm That's kind of feeling like defeat. the Democrats are the Bears <laughs> to some degree, right? In, in that regard, you see what I mean? You're uh, losing though, audience members as you speak. The no, point is the flow of the election, right? Are we peaking too early, right? We'll have momentum at the end, number one. Number two, these kind of shocking numbers among women were present in the Hillary Trump election, and Hillary thought she was going to win Pennsylvania easily with polling numbers that were shocking polling numbers about the Philadelphia suburbs. And the problem is a lot of those Republican women came home and got Trump over the top. So I think we should be we keep doing what we're doing, but that there has been a permanent realignment where 62% of women are now opposed to Trump, that probably is not the case. Can the pendulum be this far over on election day? That'd be great because that would be the blue wave. But we just have to be very cautious about this. And the wave is person-made, obviously. It's not actually a, a natural thing. The other thing is the things are so desperate for the Trump administration, and Trump is a, 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 such an impulsive character, right? And I, by the way, I think we need to stop using metaphors for mental illness in regard to him because it stigmatizes the mentally ill. I think maybe the word evil would be better, right, than, than insane or crazy, right? But to be clear, and we, people can comment on that, but a word other than say, because it, yes, it's not, it's not mental illness, it's something else. But anyway, we should be very worried about an October surprise. Uh, is Trump going to start a war with Iran in a couple weeks, just for example, in order to change the topic, try to get rally around the flag, etc., when the, fl the, the, the flag controversy and the anthem controversy in the NFL isn't enough you know, of a, of a stimulus? Hot take. We haven't had a hot take in a while around here. <laughs> war with... All right. No, well, seriously. No, no, it's a legitimate point, right? They do need a shock to the system. Um, and I want to point, I point out these polling numbers, not to say like, oh, it's just going to happen. People <laughs> have to go do the work, right? The polling numbers are to point out that there's a huge opportunity here. Robert's right about uh, 2016, and uh, there was a thought amongst Hillary's campaign, certainly that a lot of these folks were going to show up. Let me just say that. Backed by a lot of polling, actually. The, but the, but the polling was nowhere near like what we're seeing right now. And I will point out, as it relates specifically to Wisconsin and the Milwaukee suburbs, the Julie Henze district did go more Hillary. It was one of the only parts of the state where what this phenomenon was showing up uh, in 2016. Um, it is only intensified. We've seen that in the special elections in, term, in terms of this phenomenon happening. So I think it's out there. I think we have this huge opportunity. And, you know, again, it goes back to, and this isn't just also about Trump's evilness, right? Um, in Wisconsin, the tariffs have a particular thing that I, I think is hard for us to fully understand because um, it, 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 it's clearly not, he's not like getting good press and it's putting a lot of pressure on some of his base who supported him, farmers and other folks, right? I, I, I just don't know. I'm not sure what all that means. But I do believe that this broader environment pr presents real opportunities for us. And I just... I'm just hoping folks understand that we got to get out and help support these candidates. Uh, and, and and you mentioned Bryce, right? Real opportunity there. Yeah, I, I really do think that Julie and Robin can win. 
And I think that they can only win if we, you know, collectively, you know, Working Families Party, Citizen Action, all all the grassroots activists in our area, um, you know, we're, we're currently recording in, in Milwaukee, get out for them. Because I think, you know, the coordinate campaign is a powerful tool on the Democratic Party side, but they show up to someone's door with 10 pieces of lit. It's really hard to have a substantive conversation about 10 different people. You know, and I'm, I am concerned that we're going to have drop-off voters. We're going to have voters who, again, think Julie and Robin are running against each other. And I think you can extrapolate this conversation to any number of races throughout the state, right? You know, Jeff has got to win in the 31st Senate District. Uh, certainly, there are great candidates all across all across the state, but, you know, we have a lot of work to do specifically for them. And the reason why it's so important is because we really can win back the Wisconsin State Senate this year. Um, we've got to, Jeff has got to win. We got to keep that seat. We can't lose it to Republicans. And then we've got to flip just a couple more. And I think we can, but it really is going to take a lot of work specifically in those races. Yeah. I can't underscore what echo what you said enough. We see it all the time where the drop off where people vote up top and they go down and kind of lose their way and doing this work for these amazing candidates and there is an amazing crew all around the state will make a difference in making sure that they can connect that proper candidate with their values and stuff. So I think that's an excellent point and we're really encouraging folks to get out and help in these races. So we need to take a break here at the Battleground Wisconsin. You're listening to Citizen Action. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org. When we come back, we're gonna talk a little bit about healthcare before we go. Welcome back to the Battleground Wisconsin. We're Citizen Action. We want to talk a little bit of healthcare. It's a huge important issue to us at Citizen Action, but also just, you know, in this election, it's if you look at any poll, it's definitely one of the top 3 uh, issues out there. And why it's so important here also is Wisconsin and in particular Walker and our Attorney General Schimmel have been some of the leaders in trying to sabotage the Affordable Care Act and in particular um, Schimmel, our Attorney General, uh, is tried to make himself and be one of the lead sort of plaintiffs in our state in this lawsuit uh, to basically overturn the Affordable Care Act and in particular really go after the whole idea that you could even set up a system where you could ban pre-existing conditions. So, um, Robert, obviously this is really important because these jokers are running around trying to make it sound like they care about covering people and doing all this when the reality is they basically would love to go back to the old system where everybody's on their own with the insurance industry. Right. That's, and quite frankly, they have a 18th century view of the federal government, right? That the federal government does not have the power to say to insurance companies that you can't deny people coverage, discriminate against them based on health conditions. That is the heart of the lawsuit, okay? So what kind of democracy do we have if we as a democracy can't decide that that's unethical behavior, damaging behavior, life-threatening behavior, and should be outlawed? So just think about that. and Think about the federal power they want to claim when it comes to the uh, actions of a police state, right? Like the ability to separate kids from their, from their parents and cage them and not even track which parents are related to which kids, right? They have the power to do that with impunity, but we can't tell an insurance company that it can't, that it can't discriminate, right, based on health conditions. And so what's interesting is, is that even though we talk a lot about the insurance industry and that unethical business practice, and it's at the heart of the whole debate about healthcare, it's not just a, it, it, it's like at the moral heart of it, right? 
of whether we're going to guarantee health care to everyone or not in this country is a right. But the insurance companies don't like this lawsuit. So the, the, the right-wing agenda is such that it's trying to give insurance companies the right to do something that they're trying to hand back and say, don't do this to us, which is fascinating. I mean, it literally is like we're in the 19th century and you're trying to relegalize slavery and the slaveholders are saying, please don't do it. I mean, literally, that's how bizarre this is, uh, the man bites dog kind of scenario, right? Look, we talked about this last week. You know, the attorney general race is a really important election. And we have, you know, such a caricature of like a terrible, terrible attorney general currently serving. Um, and, you know, Brad Schimmel, you know, attack. This is this lawsuit is attacking protections for people with pre-existing conditions. It is. A, yes. Authorized by Governor Walker. This Authorized lawsuit. by Governor right. Walker. Um, it is attacking those protections. It is attacking people's access to health care. And, you know, something that the Democratic Party came out with in a statement that I thought is really important to note is that Schimmel has taken money from the, the companies and corporations that make opioids and now is joining in this lawsuit to restrict health care access for people suffering from addiction. I mean, if that doesn't tell you everything you need to know, and, and running on the, on his great response to the opiate epidemic. Yeah, yeah. And don't even get me started on, you know, backlogged rape kits. That's like a whole yeah. other story. But, you know, th this is somebody who's got to go. And again, like we said last week, it's a really powerful position. And we have to take it seriously. So there's also, because Walker, just like in education, is doing his chameleon routine in election year. So he's now trying to stabilize prices in the Affordable Care Act. And he has a great plan right, the corporate subsidy called reinsurance for, for insurance companies. Uh, but we also learned this week in a column in the Shepherd Express, the alternative weekly in Wisconsin, uh, that there are a lot more people in the substandard plans that are not Affordable Care Act compliant in Wisconsin because of the actions of Walker's insurance commissioner and by Trump continuing them to be allowed than we knew, so much so that it is absolutely siphoning off healthy people and causing our rates to go up for everyone else, and also leaving those healthy people who are in these substandard plans at great risk if they were ever to be unfortunate enough to have a major disease or be in a major accident, because they'll find out the insurance isn't really worth very much then. So he, the sabotage continues despite Walker's rebranding of himself as a champion of bringing health care costs down, just like Walker is suddenly interested in the achievement gap though he has no plan for it, and apparently told the media on the achievement gap they no longer will confirm whether there will be a plan or not before the election. <laughs> Lovely. It's unrelated to healthcare, but on, on the AG race, you know, another important uh, role that the attorney general can play is um, keeping government honest and going after corruption. And today, as we're taping, is uh, primary day in my home state of New York, and there's a critical attorney general race happening there. And you know what we've seen in the past is that if you have an AG, what we've seen is that a governor of any party, unchecked, who does not have good values, um, has the ability to be corrupt, has corruption in their ranks, um, and can you know open corruption commissions and close them at a whim. And I think we really need in all of these states attorneys general who are going to stand up for the people who are going to you know defend us against you know greedy corporations, defend us against you know injustice in our state, and also defend the people against potentially corrupt elected officials or structures. And so I just think that it is so clear that Schimmel would not even begin to do that with Walker. Well, and they run as these 
tough on crime types like he like the job of the AG right is to prosecute the murderers and the rapists that Governor Walker is so obsessed with right when in fact that's done by at the local level and what the AG is charged with is a whole lot of consumer protection a lot of holding corporations accountable and we know none of that's happening and of course the AG is all about not investigating Governor Walker's clear violations of campaign finance laws the John Doe case right and uh, he certainly uh, spent no time looking at possible fraud within WEDEC, right, whatsoever, because, my good, there's a, I'm not going to make a legal judgment, but there's an awful lot of smoke there, right? Yep. But he's going to take, and he's going to present himself as some champion on opiates when his position on opiates really, at the end of the day, is to throw people in jail, not to give people, uh, to prevent addiction in the first place and then give people treatment as early as possible uh, because he's, he wants to take away health care which means you're taking away the way people can get access to treatment if they get an opiate addiction. This, this message that you speak of is very similar to um, what Sarah Godlewski was running on in terms of really how do you make sure that the basic functions of a democracy are actually in place, the checks and balances. Um, it, this is, the last decade has really made it crystal clear that those aspects of the democracy are as in some cases, as important as ideology, right? In, in in terms of you can't if you don't have those at its core, you know you can't even begin to fight have legitimate fights over over disagreements on policy because you know there's no faith in the actual systems. And so, and Sarah Godlewski's yeah. running for state treasurer and actually wants to start using that constitutional office again actually to make sure there's integrity and look at things like WEDEC or the Foxconn deal, et cetera, which is not happening with the Republican uh, treasurer who's leaving office and want to eliminate his own office, apparently by not using it, right, but taking a paycheck uh, as well. So, But we have an AG and currently a treasurer that won't do that. We may end up with an AG and a treasurer, both who will understand what the duty of their office is. One thing that's impressive, too, that I'm happy to see is uh, the, all these candidates are doing a lot of traveling together and appearing together as slates, including Sarah uh, has been appearing with uh, Tony and Mandela. Um, and, and, and I think this is important because of this broader message, right? And there's just a shortest sort of message around kind of the core aspect of what a functioning democracy needs and, you know, that that needs to be restored as much as, you know, a lot of these policy things that we care deeply about. Before we go... Rebecca, you mentioned the New York <laughs> race. So, tell us uh, you've been you've been tracking in this. Is there what what's your handicapping in New York? Is there good news coming out of New York that we should be uh, here in Wisconsin looking forward to? I'm not going to make any predictions, but you know, I will say that we are in a struggle across this country against capital and you know corporate democrats and corporate republicans and money in politics and you know rising inequality and lower wages and you know just real exploitation and that is just playing out in every election in every state across the country and it's certainly playing out today in New York and we'll see i think you know governor cuomo um, you know an incumbent very powerful lots of money um, I think it was it was a very hard person to beat, and therefore no Democratic elected official in the state wanted to run against him in spite of all of the terrible things he's done, whether it's corruption, whether it's bullying people, whether it's you know defunding the subway to fund pet projects with his father's name on it, whether it's um, not funding education. Literally, he has been sued successfully to properly fund education and hasn't. And, you know, these are things that like 
will sound familiar and kind of be shocking because it's from a Democrat, but so be it. So remember that when he comes to Wisconsin and runs for president. I think um, <laughs> there's there are lots of really exciting races, including down ballot, um, lots of progressive women, Democratic socialists, people running for office, long shot races against incumbents who consider themselves independent. So I think we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, but people are really paying attention and really activated in a way that they haven't been before. So we're excited. Well, it's always good to track what happens in New York, especially as you mentioned in some of these Democratic strongholds in the city, it is sort of the vanguard for where a lot of the things that are happening in the progressive movement happen first. So we'll 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 check in on that next week. But with that, we have got to wrap up this show. We want to thank everyone who listens. And of course, want to thank our producer, Brian Woldworth, who makes it happen every week. And we will see you next week at the Battleground, Wisconsin. <laughs>